Thanks so much. Jude, you better say Hi. <laughs> you may be seated. <laughs> there we go. It's a good start. Hey, I'm looking forward to this morning. Ah, God's up to mischief. Look out, he's after you. How cool is that? Come on, keep our hearts open and be ready for the Mac attack, okay? An absolute delight to be with you. I love the worship. I'm, I just want to lie on the floor and have rest of the church from the floor. Is that okay? I love your presence. I love what you. I love this house. I love your leaders. I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit overwhelmed. I feel like um, as I began to pray about coming to this trip, God began to download some things into my spirit. I feel like my spirit's absolutely loaded about the purpose of God for this house. I just pray that he can give me the grace to express what's in my heart. I'm one of these guys that is, you don't, you don't learn from me, you catch things from me. And I had a wonderful friend, a theologian, at a revival in Scotland and he just, he just ran away from me. He's gone back to his home country. His family's all back there. And, uh, but it was beautiful. He was a theologian. So I would just unload my heart and he'd stand up and give it all scriptures. <laughs> and it was, it was fun because it was like uh, very different. We actually worked together. I took him with me and, and we had a lot of fun. But now so I feel like I'm a one-armed bandit today without my friend but it's just a delight and uh, I really I really do feel a, a burden for this house and you've got to understand that uh, I'm about to cry <laughs> for years they've called me the weeping prophet can't get away from it I'd like to think I could grow up and get out of it but I'm a big kid but it's the weight, it's the sense of purpose that I sense in my life today for you as a house. I've loved this house for years. And I really do, I am very confident in saying that your church is on, on the edge of a new era, a new time period. And I really believe that there's, uh, there's this house has been called to, to light fires. And God's raising up fire lighters out of this house. We came off the uh, international travels when the pandemic hit. We just simply because of the, the restrictions in, in international travel, which was probably the best thing that ever happened to me, because I began to just wait on God with the time that I had. And God began to show me a vision one day. And I said, and I saw fires burning all over the nation. Some of them were churches with pastors. Some of them were churches without pastors. But the majority were little fires burning in small towns and small places. And uh, after showing me the vision, he, he began to speak to me. He said, I want you to raise up fire lighters that have been influenced by the five-fold ministry, not just by one ministry, but by five-fold ministers who have been influenced by those and, and, to, and to prepare them to fan the flames of these fires. And, and I can see as I came here today, I, I see young leaders that are going to carry the fire inside their belly that's going to go in and out from the house and fan the flames of of fires all over the nation. And that's, and I had, in actual fact, three other prophetic voices uh, had seen the same, had seen the same fires, had the same sort of same thing. And uh, so I feel like I'm very bold about saying that. I believe that God wants to raise up fire lighters influenced by the five, four minutes. In other words, there'll be teachers, there'll be prophets, there'll be evangelists, there'll be all these fires inside the house that that will go from the house and come back to the house but they'll light fires 
and you don't have to have a pulpit to be a firelighter. That's the first thing I want to really want to see. And the second thing, which, is, which, which I really believe is where I want to come to you today, is that as I was preparing, I, I, I began to see very, very clearly that the enemy of our soul has, right throughout the world, his, his, his biggest weapon has been distraction. One of the weapons he's used against the church is distraction. In other words, he's, he's taken the... He's taken the heart, he, he takes the heart and, and he endeavors to use, use things to distract us away from, from our heart. And he uses religion to distract us from our heart. Who knows that you can sit and listen to a message with your head without ever letting him have your heart. You know, when I've been saying it, when, when Christ came into your life, he gave you an anointing for, the, for protecting your heart. He said, if you, if you remain in me, I, I remain in you, and you'll bear much fruit. He didn't say that it's going to happen from the fruit. It's going to come from your head. It comes from, from, the, from the spirit. God's in your spirit. I said, I said, God is in your spirit. When Christ came into your spirit, God came into your spirit. I'm talking to the most powerful people in the universe. Why aren't we seeing that power? Because we've been distracted. And oftentimes, and in the Western world, God's, uh, the devil's used their minds to distract us. He uses cultures to distract us. He, he uses family cultures to distract us. He'll use statements. I, I was saying to the youth, or I can't remember where were the leaders, I can't remember where I said, but I, I remember I was, had my first church and I was standing in front of the window. I still see this as clear as day. And I had a wonder, I had a father that, that he was a great provider. He, he, he was a great dad. And at 13 years old, he asked me to go to work with him. And I remember sitting up with a 13-year-old beside him in the truck. He was, we were come from a, a timber family. We're third-generation timber merchants. And uh, he was putting a road in, and, he, and so I went to work with him. He asked me to chain this log up. The log was as big. It was, the chain was bigger than I was, and I was struggling. And uh, you talk, I'm talking about distraction, how simple you can be distracted. And I remember it. Even today, this elbow going in my side, he wouldn't even know he even done it. And I heard the words, you're too slow. And right from the time I was a 13-year-old boy to the time I was, I was probably at this stage, I was probably about 30, 33, 34, I had these words that were loud and clear in my spirit, you're too slow. And if I was with somebody and I was asked to do something and I thought they could do it faster, I would say, you can do that faster than me. You do it. And I'd pass the buck. I wonder how many people here in this room today have been distracted from some words that have been said to them or things that have happened that have distracted them from who they really are and what God has really called them to do. They've got a Father in heaven who's got no problems with you whatsoever. You've got a Father in heaven that absolutely is committed to you. Absolutely in love with you in spite of all the discrepancies in your personality and being. He's, not un he's totally unwavered in love towards you. He created you like he created Adam. He put you on the planet that he might flow through you like a river. That the fountain of life would flow through you. But the devil's distracted us. Put all kinds of things in our way that's taken our attention away from we find ourselves trying to defend ourselves, trying to be the right kind of person. With all effort and all struggle, we, 
try to be the kind of people that God tried, that, that, that God created us to be. I'm telling you, you do not have the power within yourself. You don't have the fountain of life within yourself to do it. And how many times has the church been told that? I don't know. But all I know that inside of me, all through the early years of my Christian life, there's all this stuff that's distracting me. I remember a young 19-year-old boy hearing the words of a, of a very respected prophet in our nation of New Zealand at the time. Coming to me, I was 19 years old. He said, and I hear these words coming out of his mouth. You'll, be a, you'll preach to thousands and you'll be a father to many. And I wanted to say to that prophet at 19 years old, go and get a real job, would you? <laughs> and that was, I was saying that in serious because I was on a sheep station talking to sheep, horses, and dogs. Claustrophobic coming to a town of Invercargill of 50,000 people. I felt safer with my sheep and dogs than I ever did with people. Now this prophet's coming and saying this to me and I couldn't hear him because of the sound that was coming out of my spirit. Then I remember at 19 years old, the Spirit of God, I came, traveled four hours to walk into a meeting at the close of the meeting and I hear this, hear this guy speaking. I haven't got a clue, but I see people walking forward. I didn't know there was an altar call. I just saw these people. So I walked into the meeting I was late for it. I arrived in time for the altar call. I didn't know it was an altar call. I didn't know what was going on. I just walked forward and I it was an altar call and I gave my life to Christ. Yeah. I didn't hear the message. Yeah. But there was something going on inside my life. It was the love of God. I remember giving my life to Christ. I can still right now feel the relief and the peace and the love and the joy. I remember going home some days later, lying on the floor of my bedroom saying, my God, if you can deal with the impediments of my personality, I want to make a difference. I don't want anyone to ever feel as lonely as I did with that sheep and dogs coming to town three times a year and feeling I'd better, after two hours, I felt more comfortable back in the hills again. What's going on? I said, that's, I think I'm a, a normal human being with weaknesses in my own self, not knowing that God had created me like Adam had been created, that I was on the planet for God's fountain of life to flow through me and for life to be changed because I turned up. Can you? But I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you. Those, from that day on that Christ came into me, those times of learning how to try and be a Christian. I never tried to be a Christian. My father came to me in that meeting room. I didn't know what it was all about. I just, there was something made me go to that meeting that night. It was a father that drew me. I said it was a father that drew me. It was a father that saved me. It's a father that's keeping me. And I'm not allowing this world to suck me out of this place that I'm in. I hope I can get you to be, understand today that you're a much bigger person than you think you are. I watched my father take my life. My pastor died. And they said, they thought, I better take the play. I better take over this, take the church. They thought I had the closest heart to them. The regional area pastor that put me into the church never asked me if I could preach. He's taken me, introduced me to the church. And he says, can you preach? I said, I don't know. <laughs> that freaked him out. I tell you, he was freaked out. He said, I'll say something and you say something after me because he was about to get me to preach. So he preached and he preached well. <laughs> and then he handed me the microphone. As I took the microphone, I sensed the presence of God come over me. And I started to talk 
when I finished, he said, I thought you said you couldn't preach. I said, I didn't know I could. <laughs> I took my first church meeting. There was 40 people in this. The, my pastor had just gone to plant a church in Queenstown, New Zealand. He died suddenly. And now he had 40 people. And in the middle of my 40, excuse me, in the middle of my 40, my, my sorry, 20-minute preach, because that's what I could preach for. Now, I'm talking about a preacher, but I wasn't a preacher. I was a farm boy. But God had called me to something like God's called you to something. And the same anointing that comes on me comes on you. Because your father's called you to something. I said, your father's called you to something today. Your father's called you to something today. The father's called you. I wish I didn't have to stand in front of a pulpit and be called a prophet to direct, to, to, to have to try and persuade people that, that you've got to be something like me to do something. That's not what it's about. The Father called you like he called me. In the middle of my 20-minute preach, a little Scotsman ran out of the car park. And in the middle of my 20-minute preaching, he said, the doctor sent me here. I've got brain damage I got liver damage. I'm an alcoholic. And he tells me I'm dying. And he told me, you're the only people in this town that can help me. What else can I do but pray for him? It was about 1970, was it? I don't know, something like that. 77. I prayed that about. I didn't fall on your thing. I didn't know what all that was about. But the guy hit the deck. All the church is gone. The 40 people have gone home. Dude and I are waiting to get off the floor. So he could lock the building up and go home. <laughs> Finally, he got up and said, <laughs> he said, I'm healed. I said, well, you better go and tell your doctor that because I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> he came back two or three weeks later with a, with a letter from the doctor saying that he was healed. <laughs> I wasn't a preacher. I was a farm boy. I found something to say in 20 minutes. It's as long as I could last. So I don't care what you're doing. You're called by God, the Father of all creation. He created creation to look after it, for him to, it just produced after its kind. Who's hearing me? Creation trusted the Father the seasons would come. God created the animals. They believed that God would look after them, the food would be there for them and they needed it. Can you hear me today? You've got a father that cares about you. You've got a father that cares. My God, I'm telling you. I turned up, I turned up at the church the second week just fearful because I hadn't a clue how to do church. No, I couldn't, didn't get trained. I'm still trying to get to Bible college. <laughs> I said to my pastor when he asked me to go on the road three, five years ago, after three time, after, after I said no three times, I finally said yes because God visited me. I said, but maybe I should go to Bible college. No, you're not going. He wouldn't let me go to Bible college. So I'm here. It's, it's his fault if I, if I don't preach properly. But I remember walking in that, there was 40 people. I, walked I just walked in, walked past them, and they all fell over. That freaked me out, I'm telling you. I hadn't even looked at them. I was just walking and looked around, they were all falling over. I walked past the second row, and they all fell over. Half my church was decked. <laughs> that was my second meeting. All I know is that I'm, you're called like I'm called. And it's God that calls you. It's not man that calls you. You're called. You may never be a preacher, but the power of God is to still come on you to do what you've got to do. Can you hear me, please? It's, it's not a... I mean, I, did the, I, I, could, I could join this church, I can tell you. The worship this morning, I just loved it. It's just... 
There's, there's nothing like corporate gatherings together where the presence of God did a measure. But life is more than sitting in a corporate meeting. Getting It's refreshing. It's empowering for you to get out there and carry the power of God out into the community. This we're in a new era. The church is not going to sit inside just listening to sermons for the rest of the life. It's going to change nations. It's going to change cities. And there's anointings to do it. It's the power of God to do it. I said there's the power of God to do it. And I'm standing, I'm a witness to the power of God, not, not to some, some smart learning thing I've been through. So, in waiting for, for God, waiting to hear God, God began to speak to me. So I'm going to very quickly, and I, I just, I turned God turned up to me even preach, because I can't persuade you, but God wants you so bad to listen to what I've got to say. This is David. I want to quote David. I love David because I feel a bit like a David, a total mess. Yet God said he loved him because he had a heart after God. I feel hope when I think of David. And I absolutely love his words because I've practiced what he said and it works. I've practiced what David said and it works. But I can preach to you, but if you don't practice what it says, if you don't practice what I preach, it's not going to work and I'm just wasting my time. I'd better go and watch the All Blacks beat Australia. <laughs> you know what? I can give that away because that's just a substitute for what God's done in me. I love my right. I Born with rugby boots on, might as well have been. But listen to me. Everything you get pleasure from this world is a substitute for the presence and the power of the living God. And if the church continues to do that, then God's going to raise up someone from outside the church to do what he wants to do. He used a donkey once. Because a man of God wouldn't do what he's meant to do, say what he's meant to do. So God anointed a donkey. God's going to get the job done. I've seen kids doing what the power, what the adults are meant to do. Because they didn't question it. They didn't reason with it. They didn't look at the weaknesses of their own frailty. But they trusted. In 1995, I got, I, I'm just trying to persuade you that, that this guy standing at the front of the church, it, it, it's not about standing at the front of the church. It's about grasping the power of God. I was in, in Texas praying over, prophesying and praying over 300 kids in a school, and I got a, a word of knowledge over a kid that, Afro-American boy that hurt his knee playing basketball, basketball. And I called him up and as I went to pray for him, I had a word of knowledge. And I went to pray and the Spirit of God stopped me. He said, I didn't tell you to do it. I told you to empower people to do it. See, I'm here to prophesy. But you're to catch the Spirit on me because you're to be prophesying. Can you hear me, church? You're to prophesy. And prophesy is not just about foretelling and foretelling. It's about unlocking and releasing. I believe I'm unlocking a, an anointing over your house. I didn't ask for this job. <laughs> but he called me. And told me to run to the nations and empower people. I got this little five-year-old boy, and I prayed for him. A five-year-old drunk. Have you ever seen one? A five-year-old, he was drunk. 
little Negro. I had to get two kids alongside him to hold him up. I took him over to this 15-year-old boy. This is the long and the short of it. I got the five-year-old boy to put his, I prayed for him. And then I got the five-year-old boy to put his hand on the chest of the 15-year-old boy. And I said, what I have, I can give it away. If I haven't got it, I can't give it. But if I've got it, I release it. Then I said to the kid, now blow on him. That 15-year-old kid got thrown three rows of chairs down the aisle. I didn't know I needed a catch. I never even thought about that. <laughs> Five-year-old kid, what damage are you going to do? The kid lies there forever. Now, you've got to remember, he's 300 kids, I think it was. And this 15-year-old, you know that 15-year-old kids like to be cool in front of their peers. This kid stood up. Started dancing, I'm healed, I'm healed. It was a five-year-old boy who had no theology on healing. But the power of God was on him. Now, now I was going to try and start preaching. <laughs> You're the people that have carried the power. Say it. I need to carry the power. I can carry the power and I will carry the power. Psalm <sighs> sixty two. Verse 1, I'm sorry, this is so profound. It's probably too deep for too many, for too many people. <laughs> Truly, my soul silently waits for God. Did anyone hear me? Truly, David says this, truly my soul silently waits for God. Not even words. He just waits for God. A lot of problems about getting people to prayer meetings is because they haven't got a clue that they can keep the words up. Can't find enough words. The reason for me for many short prayer meetings with even in my own personal life as a mature person was I don't know what to say. David tells me I don't have to say anything. I just gotta wait. I just gotta wait for God. My soul silently waits for God. I'm not going to fill up that vacuum, that space in me with some external thing. Oh, I just need some, I just need some, I just need to go and have some coffee with some friends. No, you don't. You probably just need to wait for God. And maybe that vacuum inside you is going to get so filled up that you're going to take yourself and you're going to affect the people that you're going to, they're not going to affect you. They're not going to fill up your vacuum. You're going to fill their vacuum up. Who can hear me? My soul silently waits for God. One of the hardest lessons I've ever learned is to wait for God. Give me five minutes and my head's going off doing something. If you've got a busy head, it's not going to happen overnight for you to learn to wait for God. You have to learn how to bring your head and submit it to God. And it might take some discipline. It might take some practice. And it did. It took me a long time to learn to silence myself 
rather than going out and finding something to substitute that in that in that gap in my life. Who can hear me? I can go home now then. Oh, God. I know this. If you can hear what I'm saying, you're going to have an experience with God and you're going to go somewhere you've never been before, like I have. When I came off the road and I had a busy... I, we, we lived for 25 years on the road internationally, traveling 10 months of the year, had three months off, and every weekend was booked up. I know what busyness is. And I was too busy. If I'd start again, I would do it different. I'd spend more time waiting on God. We had some wonderful times, don't get me wrong. But the most beautiful place in the whole world for me now, having learned this lesson of waiting for God, yeah. is the most beautiful experience I've ever had in all my life. I can spend an hour, and I, I'm not, this is not something I'm boasting, I'm just giving you an example. I can spend an hour in his presence with my mind just settled on God. And I've walked out of those times into things I never asked God for. I knew that my heart wanted it. And Judy can verify that. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to waiting on God. Church, and God's asking you to wait on him. It's going to change this church. You can come to a prayer meeting, of course, and you wait on God. Let me go a little bit further. What we're talking about is silence before God. God. I'm in trouble with slicers. I'm trying to see my notes. <laughs> my, I'm, I'm not blind. I can see. <sighs> Let there be light. All right. Right. So this, so, so let me just... Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. Where does your salvation come from being busy? By waiting on God. Your salvation comes from waiting on God. And so this is the, the whole concept of here is God created Adam after his own image and planted him on the earth so that God could flow everything through him that Adam could enjoy the pleasure of receiving from his father, the creator, be dependent on the father flowing through him so that he could reach all that the Father had for him. As I said before, creation, all it does, it waits on God. The sun comes up, the rain comes, waters the earth. It doesn't go around trying to find sun. So creation doesn't go around trying to happen. It's been created to be dependent on God. You were created to be dependent on God. Now, to the busy mind, that's the most ridiculous thing. I had, I'm getting sidetracked, but anyway, I'm going to go there because that's where, the, that's where I feel safest. I was uh, Walking across the church one morning and God said, I want you to mentor two men. That morning, two guys came up to me, independent of one another. Uh, they didn't, had, hadn't, they, they knew each other, but didn't, they didn't know that they were both going to come to see me that morning about them, me mentoring them. And, uh, and so that, that happened. And so the, the, one of the guys, the, on, his, uh, on his first visit to see me, as he walked through the door, I thought this guy was actually a property valuer and he was, he was just uh, 
He, had, he was just a, a total control freak, a very successful guy, but a guy that applied himself to everything he'd done. And the Spirit of God said, that guy's got everything in his head. He needs to let me have his, he lets me, he needs to let me have his heart. So I said that to him. You, you're carrying everything in your heart. You need to let God have your heart. He said, yeah, that's right, I do. So I said, okay. He said, hold out your arms. And we're going to put everything in your arms and we're going to hand it to Jesus. I said, I'm talking about your finances, your work, your struggles, your kids, your wife. And so he's standing there and he's silent, his eyes are closed. He said, I'm going to go three, two, one, zero. And on zero, I want you to just drop your arms. And we're going to let it all go. He's a guy about six foot six. So I go three, two, one, zero, and his elbows are touching the ground. He still hasn't let it go. He's bent over, and his elbows are touching the ground. I shout, I said, let it go. And because of the change in my tone of my voice, it kind of shocks him, and he takes his mind off what he's doing and, and drops, drops all the load. She stands up and I said, where is it? She says, down there. So I turn around and walk towards the wall. He turns around and he walks away. And as he's walking away, I'm, I'm, this guy's a man's man. I mean, I tell you what, he was a, a control freak of all control freaks. He was a lovely guy, but he, he was in charge of everything. <laughs> and I hear him, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm hearing him crying. He turns around. And his tears running down his face. He says, the weight's gone. It's all gone. <laughs> he learned that God's looking after him. He phones me up just not that long ago. He says, Fergus, because we Zoom each other now every week. He says, can I come and see you? He said, I want you to come to my funeral. I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? Once we come to his funeral, he'd been reading <laughs> that he had to die to himself. And he had died to himself. His doctor broke his neck. So he prays for the doctor, and the doctor gets healed. He gets a, a call from one of his colleagues who's really down in down about something he doesn't know what it is. He feels in his heart to drive four hours to Tamworth. Drives over and the guy's had a had a, a um what's he had a a, a turn of some sort. He prays for him, he gets healed, leads him to Jesus. He's died to himself. He's learning that there's another life. He's waiting on God. He's learned to wait on God. Come on, church, can you hear me? We've got it. It's not about. It's not even about all your all your prayers. You you will pray when you wait on God. A burden will come out of you. Intercession will come out of you at the right time, the right time. But we've got to make space for God. Come on, church. I don't care how busy you are. I have a. A friend in the Czech Republic. I led him to the Lord when he was about 17 or 18. He was a mechanic. Today he's, turning, he's a business guy turning over in excess of $150 million a year. He sends an executive on it, puts him on an airplane and flies him to Bill Johnson's business company. <laughs> he's, he's doing business by waiting on God. He waits two hours a day on God. God tells him what business to buy. He just bought an electricity company. And all his colleagues, all his business mates said, what on earth are you buying an electricity company for? Because the, the, the Russians were, were, were supplying the Czech Republic with electricity. And something I don't know what went wrong, but he ended up buying the company. He said, well, God told me to buy it. He buys 80 bakeries. God told him to buy 80 bakeries. God spoke to him in his prayer time, he was waiting on God, told him to buy 80 bakeries. All his, all his business mates said, why on earth did you buy 80 bakeries? He said, God told me to. 
what he finds out, the reason why the, the guy sold the 80 bakeries was he couldn't afford the electricity to run the 80 bakeries. Now, now Alice has got the electricity and the bakeries. He waits on God two hours a day. A business guy waiting two hours a day stops, goes to his room and waits on God. I was up there recently, and he, well, two years ago, <laughs> recently three years ago, he said, would you seek this woman? This is the woman that had a, she wasn't saved, she had a dream about Alice's farms. She saw in the dream what was wrong with the soil. Alice gets a, he gets a scientist sent to, 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 let it, to find out what's going on. The scientist can't figure out how this woman could ever know what she knew about his soil. They did what she said and it fixed his soil. The result was he sold the, he fixed his own soil, caused the farms to reduce, but he sold, he sold the stuff to everybody else and they fixed their farm. She wasn't, she, she wasn't even saved. Because, how I know, because the last time I was up, he said, would you ever talk to her? She's, 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 giving, she's giving me grief with the, the staff grief. There's something, there's something not right going on inside her. I found out, of course, when I, I sat down and said she'd been abused, sexually abused, mentally abused. And as a result, she was having, giving, having trouble with the staff she was working with. We prayed with her, got her set free. Letter to Jesus. But that's the woman who had a vision about the farm. What am I saying? I'm saying there's, there's fruit in waiting on God. David said, his salvation, complete salvation, your complete salvation, your complete life. Let me just, I don't know what time to Am I helping you? Yes. Who's going to start waiting on God? Yes. One or two. Yes. See, this is the point. You can, you can get through life without waiting on God. That's the problem. You can get through this life without waiting on church. You can get through life. You can pay the doctor to fix you. You can use your wit. The government will look after you. They'll give you a some money but where you got born again into the kingdom of God I said you got born again to, into the kingdom of God you are here to establish the kingdom and we need to listen to the king of the kingdom because he's going to make you prosper in the kingdom and you might think you're prospering now but I tell you you start waiting on God A different dimension. Different dimension. I'm just going to... Uh, see, grace is God's provision for you living in the kingdom. Faith is born out of grace. By grace are you saved through faith. Grace is the, the favor of God coming to you on a continuous basis. God wants to give you grace so faith, so you can live in the kingdom and release the salvation of God over all your world all the time. By grace are you saved through faith. We just need to be looking for grace. The Holy Spirit's called the Spirit of grace. I said the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of grace. When the Spirit of grace gets on you, you have faith. The word of God comes by revelation through grace. It doesn't come through reading the Bible. If you just read the Bible without grace, you're going to become extremely religious. 
the, the Pharisees of the day, they had the word, but they didn't have the spirit. They couldn't see where they're at in, in time. They couldn't see that Christ was the door to the next phase of their world. I'm saying that you're sitting on the edge of a new day, church. You're living on a day of a new, of a new opening of God for a season that never existed before. There's no information apart from revelation that's going to let you in on it. And the only way you're going to get in is by waiting on God. Because grace is going to come in that season. You're not going to try. You're just going to wait for God to bring it to you. I've never seen a banana trying to be a banana. I've never seen an orange trying to be an orange. It abides in the, in the, in the vine of the, and the vine brings the fruit. Come on, church. I want you to get set free from yourself. Get set free from yourself. Grace comes. And you live by grace. And as old as living by grace, you hear the word of God for the season and the moment you're in. You're in a moment right now that needs grace. How are you going to get that grace? By, oh God, I need grace, I need grace. I need. No, no, he knows you need grace. He called you to live by grace. And so you wait. You put time, you just give God some space. And you train yourself to give God the space. And God comes. And grace comes. And you're in the, in the moment. I'm standing in a in a shopping center in Calgary, Canada, in front of two people, husband and wife. Don't even know them, never met them before. And grace comes on me. And out of my mouth comes to this woman who I've never met before, 40 years of age. You're going to conceive immediately. I'll tell you, you've got to have grace to say that to somebody you don't know. I'd get slapped if I said that to pastor. You're going to conceive immediately. She just rebuked me. Well, you imagine how I, how I felt saying that to a woman. I needed all the grace, especially with her husband standing beside her. But I'm telling you about being in the moment. Church, it's not about us being in the moment, it's about you being in the moment. I'm telling you the story not for my sake, but for your sake. The, the husband took my email address. We communicated with each other. The baby was born nine months to the day. You got calls, you got giftings, you got it all, you got what I got for your world. But it's still the power of God. She nearly lost that baby three times in nine months. The reason, and what was made the story so much powerful was that she had had eight miscarriages. She was 40 years of age. I was up. The, the, a year later, after the baby was born, I had the job of dedicating the baby. Nine years later, the three of them are standing in front of me. They say, remember us? I didn't remember them. A young hand came up, a little guy dressed in a tie suit, takes my hand, says, thank you for giving me the opportunity at life. Come on. Come on. Because I was in the moment. Because I was in the season. You're coming to a season where it's the body of Christ. It's your turn. It's your season. And God's looking for some people who will wait and understand that it's not about trying to be spiritual. It's not trying. To, it's, not trying. it's waiting. Your life will change while you wait. I said your life will change while you're waiting. I said your life will change 
by waiting. My God, I'm telling you. They that wait upon the Lord shall what? They that fill their lives up with everything, with everything else, they fill that vacuum up. That vacuum was designed by God for God. Time to go, is it? Yeah. I haven't said half what I want to say, but that's all right. I think I'm getting it. Am I? Yes. To wait. It's not about you trying. Some of you don't feel spiritual enough. You don't feel qualified enough. You don't. You can't spend time in, in the presence of God and not come away feeling qualified. Did anyone hear what I just said? Jesus qualified you. You just, you just need the assurance that you are qualified. It doesn't come by reading alone. It comes by the Spirit and the Word. Don't you ever think you can get satisfied by just reading the Word of God without having a hunger for the Spirit of the Word? If you don't get the Holy Spirit first in your life, the Word, you're going to be the most religious person on the planet. You've got to understand the nature of the Holy Spirit. And you, you can't wait in the presence of God without the Holy Spirit coming and, and aligning your heart. So that revelation can come. The preparation of the heart belongs to the Lord. Not the social club. Not a game of cards. Not a football match. Come on please church. You need your friends. But if they're not waiting on God, they're not going to help you much. I need God more than I need my friends. I love you guys. But I tell you, if you're not going to wait on God with me, I'm going to go where I can wait on God. I'll come and hang around my friend. <laughs> Am I right, Jude? Am I saying what's truth? She's too scared not to say it. <laughs> I, I threatened her I'd love her more if she stopped it. I've been married 55 years. She's tolerated me for 55 years. And if anything happens to her, look out, I'm coming to live with one of you. And I expect the same kind of treatment. My back scratched. Church. I, I just pray. I, I can only pray that the Holy Spirit can take my heart and show you how desperate I am about this message. I know where I come from. I know where I've arrived, but I know how I got there. I didn't get there by human effort. I've not got here by me trying. I can tell I've got here by living out of where God's been for me. Return to your first love. That's what Revelation says. He wants you to return to your first love. That didn't happen in your head. That didn't happen by some human experience that's a substitute thing. It was the God himself who came and got you. It's the God himself who's going to keep you. As long as you can stay in his presence, he's going to keep you. But it's not keeping your head, it's keeping your heart. Your heart is to tell your head how to behave, not your head telling you your heart how to behave. We've got to, be, we've got to have a, a church full of Holy Ghost junkies <laughs> so that we can be aligned with the purpose of God. Would you all stand up for a minute? I'm serious about this when I say we're going to hand everything over to, to the Father today. I'm going to show you what the fruit of waiting is all about. 
I can show you in a moment, I believe, what waiting on God can be like when you do it from the heart. There's all kinds of conditions in this heart that you're carrying right now. There's loss, there's grief, there's brokenness, there's frustration, there's anger. There's a thousand and one things that could be in the heart of God's people right now. And I want somehow rather to spark a reality in your spirit that can let you taste of what would happen if you began to spend time waiting on God. So I want you to hold out your arms like I did with, with my friend. Right now, I want you to put everything that's been a burden, a concern. Give him your finances. Give him your loneliness. Give him the vacuum. Give him the desperation. Give him the, the lies that Satan's been putting in your head. Put them all in your, in, put them in your arms right now. You're going to empty your, you're going to empty your life of yourself. So that the only thing that's left is your experience with Christ. We're going to bring that to the fore by getting rid of everything else. And what I want you to do, and I, I'm going to do exactly the same thing. I'm going to go three, two, one, zero. And I want you to just literally drop everything. It's like you're walking away from this is not your life. This is what stopped you from waiting on God. Three, two, one, zero. Drop. You haven't got it. It's Jesus' responsibility. I want you all to turn around and face the back wall. I want you to imagine in your heart you're walking away from your past. You're not going to, hey, you're not going to pick it up again. Just imagine you're walking and it's all behind you. Now turn around and face me. Where's it all? Gone. Don't you pick it up again. I said, don't you pick it up again. You've got no claim on it whatsoever. You gave it to Christ. Now, there's room for him. Now there's room for him. Shut your eyes. Look up like you're expecting God to come to you. Father, right now, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for filling hearts today. You're filling hearts today. You're filling hearts today. I release your Holy Spirit. I release the anointing that you told me to release. I release over this house. I release the prophetic anointing. My God, that they can begin to speak clearly to unlock and to release. Father, right now, you fill their life with your presence. As they wait, you fill. I release this prophetic anointing on the shoulders of this house. I release on the shoulders of every person. My God, let the increase of your government rise over this house. It rises over this house. The government anointing of God rises on the house. I release your presence. Receive. Receive. Walk in it. Walk in it. Live in it. Live in it. Declare it. Proclaim it. Live in it, proclaim it, 
Father, I thank you for arresting your church this day for the season that you've called it to. Father, I thank you for releasing revelation and understanding. I release revelation and understanding. On every life, on every life, on every life. Father God, you're the God of our salvation. We declare you to be the God of our salvation. Church, you do not have the power in yourself. You do not have the river inside yourself. Your dependence today. I release the spirit of dependence on the Father. Dependence on the Father. My God. It's a new day, church. <laughs> 